So with uh, Shireen Yazbek, Beirut Port Blast Stories is the short film played at the Toronto Documentary Film Festival. Thank you for coming. I know it's really early uh, as we're doing this podcast is in Lebanon. It's 6 a.m. right now. Yeah, yeah, it's 6 now. Oh, my God. Thank you. Thanks for what time do you usually wake up in the morning? Um, 7 a.m., but it's fine. So you're up a couple it's hours early, I guess. <laughs> Thank you so much for doing this. Uh, so Be- Beirut, Port Blast story. It's about the story on August uh, August 4th, two, uh, 2020. There was an explosion that uh, that basically destroyed half the city of Beirut. And uh, this is something that, in the Western world at least, that wasn't, wasn't a huge story. Like it was talked about, but it wasn't like a, a story that it should be. And uh, you got some really interesting footage. I'm just curious about after the uh, what was your motivation to make this film? Just to, for to educate people to kind of tell the, the story that nobody talks about. Like, what was your motivation? No, the the, the story was very big back then. I'm a reporter myself, and it was hugely covered. But I think it's very important that these events uh, don't get just like you know forgotten. And yeah. I. All my work is about memory, lost destruction, and I think it's very important to to do to still do stories about events that uh, are are, I mean, huge. I mean, when we talk about Lebanon, this was like I think there was an a before the blast and an after the blast. Everybody talks about it here at least. Everybody's tra- traumatized, especially that uh, uh, next week is the uh, third anniversary of the of the blast and still nobody's in jail uh, no trial nothing i mean we don't we still i mean half of the country has been destroyed we still don't know who did it so the the opening footage uh the opening uh, scenes of the film is actually showing kind of the footage from someone's point of view where did whose footage who's who's uh, was that someone's camera where did you, where did that footage come from Okay, so uh, 30 minutes of the film were, I mean, 29 uh, was shot by myself and one minute footage was just people that I got footage from. So I'm a reporter and uh, I got this footage from uh, a firefighter. Unfortunately, most of the people we see in the footage uh, died, except for uh, the guy who shot uh, with his iPhone. So this is like a, a phone footage. And he did instead, was this something that you found or was it somebody that it was like, it was someone, he, where did the footage, like how did you obtain the footage? Okay, so usually, I mean, as reporters, we just like uh, go around the scene and we talk to firefighters, to people who just like, you know, uh, came to the, to, to the, crime scene if I may say so uh, just after the blast and uh, he got the footage from uh, um, from another firefighter who was at the port at that time and this guy I mean he was seriously injured but uh, he, he's okay now so he, he got the footage from the guy and he gave me uh, the footage and of course all these kind of footage you just get them like uh, within a week or two just after the blast because you know it disappears from phones people forget people I don't know delete them uh, yeah so you have to get them just after the blast 
or after the you know the tragedy. Yeah, then you have the one shot. I guess the shot, like kind of like almost a bird's eye view of of the city. You have that kind of footage as well, I guess, too, right? Yeah, uh, you, you, uh, the bird eye view. You mean the drone uh, images? Yeah. Everything. I mean, the drone images of the city. Um, which one are you talking about? I mean, you're talking about the drone going over the silos or flying over the silos or other footage. Yeah, well, you. I guess like a couple, a few minutes in. Well, like, there's a few, but there's a few minutes in. You kind of have like a, a still shot of the city, and then the explosion goes off, and you kind of see. Ah, it from, yeah. yeah. Okay. Okay, this is a CCTV uh, from uh, a hospital, from Hospital St. George. And um, so you have the heliport. And just uh, so I, I took this, you know, I, I just left this this shot of the city because I thought it was impressive because it shows like... You know, everything is okay, everything is fine, and then, and then, and then all of a sudden you have everything, you know, uh, I mean, the blast happening and everything being smashed. And I wanted to keep this because it is, I think it's quite impressive, uh, just to tell you that, of course, it's not the original sound, because, uh, uh, as you know, I mean, CCTV, you don't have the sound that goes with it, so... The, the the sound was added afterwards. Yeah, gotcha. And then yeah. you, okay, so then you interview four people who are family members who were affected and you interview the fifth person. But the four people that you interviewed, did you interview more people than that? And then those are the four people you used for the documentary? Only these four. Because, Only these four. Uh, yeah, because I thought these four, uh, they just tell the global story. I mean, it's not just a story. It's a story about loss, about remembering, about also, you know, how we fantasize the people, the beloved ones, and how we think, you know, we make them, we make them as heroes. So it is, I think, quite a universal, you know, feeling that we yeah. have once we lose a beloved one. One one hundred percent. So where did you? Uh, how did you get them to? Uh to to like to talk about like where did you like where did you find those particular four people and and did you realize that they were good for the to tell their story like i'm just curious about the, the four people you picked so just on on the night of the blast i took my camera and started filming because i did also a 40 minute uh, for the tv and um i started like identifying if you want the talents or the people that were uh, the most uh, eloquent or if, if you want the ones who would advocate really yeah. for justice for truth not every, i mean not uh, each each member of the family was that furious that active if you want in the in this uh, in in, uh, in the family if you want there is like uh, uh, an organization an association of the family's victim and this is when I spotted these people. They were just like uh, brave, and if you want, they they just like spoke their their minds. And and I thought these four represented really, I mean, uh, um, the families of the victims, and also um, 
they, they would tell if you want all of them, I mean, the four of them, each one of them would tell one part of the story. So it, it took me like maybe six months to identify them. In six months to identify. And then you just, how long did you talk to each person for, like for the interview? Uh, for I mean, during the interview, so uh, some was, it, it, these are very short interviews. Mm -hmm. So each one, it was like between half an hour and one hour. It's nothing. I mean, for, for a documentary. But I have to also, uh, I have to put, you know, all this into perspective and tell you the context is that uh, one of the, the talents, he was um, threatened. And one of the interviews, during one of the interviews of uh, one of the the, the talents, um, we were just like, you know, looking out of the window to see if it's safe enough to, to uh, resume the interview. So one of the interview was like 25 minutes. So I had to really focus on what I had to say. Of course, I prepare everything in advance and it has to go very fast. I didn't know that I'm going to do, you know, I was going to do a documentary, but what I, I was sure about is I wanted to archive. Gotcha. Their memory. This is what I was after. And the documentary, if you want the idea of the documentary came after in September, October uh, of last year, but yeah. I interviewed them just to, if you want to freeze their mind, their thoughts at a time, you know, like just, I want them to just tell me their stories just after, you know, uh, after the blast. And obviously, these are difficult uh, things to talk about. Most people don't really want to do this, talk about this, especially on camera. So what do you think motivated them to to speak to you and to be on camera to tell their story? Um, I think it's uh, the the quest for justice. Um, they want to know, they want to know what happened. They want to know why uh, their sister, when she got out of the shower, you know, she had this hemorrhage. Uh, one wants to know why his, uh, his, uh, brother, uh, was at the port. They were, uh, they called them for a fire and, who called his brother to to come over, and who knew that they were they were stocking and uh, piling up such hazardous uh, material uh, in the same place? Because it's not just the ammonium that uh, I mean, something ignited the ammonium. Uh, ammonium nitrate is used for uh, to, to grow potatoes, but uh, um, I uh, stuck there what what happened so everybody wants to to have an answer and the i think the only way for them now to to have answers is to be you know to expose you know their ordeal and maybe to to just you know not to have the story die i mean this is the story this is the tragedy of their life so i think they wanted to have like uh, a way of expressing this so then you have uh, Boutros. Uh, is it Boutros who, who uh, yeah. tells the story about his? He worked, uh, and you choose to to have him in voiceover while you're showing the after effects, and then and then we see him afterwards. That's a it's a pretty brilliant filmmaking uh, um, 
device that you use. Like I know we're talking about something serious, but from a, as a filmmaker, this is this is very because then we give then all of a sudden you give us context to who he is. Like you see his face, and then after we hear him speak for a few minutes, I'm just curious. Did you figure? Did you like realize an editing to like just to do it that way? Like when did you kind of figure that out? The idea was to have the port as a talent too, yeah. like uh, because the drama of the port is the drama. I mean, if if you want the, the blast, it is the end of the decades of corruption, and um, so it's the first time. If you want, we see really. The we see the silos because for me I mean the silos are the symbol of the port yeah. the silos I mean it was like I mean this huge infrastructure was was something quite exceptional in this part of the world to you know there were stocking 160,000 tons of wheat and and corn it is a huge you can, this this is a stock for for Lebanon and Syria uh, together, so you can imagine uh, th- th- this is like quite exceptional. It used to be quite exceptional, and um, so I thought with with Butros, we um, if you want a personify, if you want to the we embody uh, the port, and he is the one who's gonna tell you know the story. But um, I thought it was um, it wasn't important to see him. But to to listen to him, and he also lost the port. I mean, other talents, the other talents have lost their beloved ones. Yeah. But he lost a lifestyle. He lost uh, he lost a dream, if you want, because when you work like almost fifty years uh, in the same company, uh, and you admire, you know, this company, you have a life there. And you were working in the middle of the city, um, in, in a city that was buzzing. All of a sudden, it just disappeared. And also, this is why I wanted to have this, you know, bird eye view on, on the city. And just to see that, I mean, we never, we, we see just once what it used to be. And I wanted to just to make it, you know, to draw it as a conclusion. This is, uh, I mean, corruption leads to destruction and uh, you know it's just uh, the port becomes also a, a persona that we lost yeah it's the the analogy for i guess for americans would be the the world trade center towers right so yeah, it's like sure, sure. it's there and then he because he, he says in the interview i saw the port and then there was no port so it's like it's there and then all of a sudden something that he's seen his whole life 48 years like he said that mm. he worked there it's like it's something. It's such a simple sentence, but it's so profound, right? Like I saw it, and then I didn't see it. Something and I've when you talk about my... the World Trade Center, it's also it makes sense. I mean, people need to remember. You know, there were documentaries, shared footage shared because we need also to understand what happened. I mean, you cannot just have something in your city. I mean, a huge. Uh, infrastructure a huge it's an institution and within seconds it disappears with all the people that died i mean if i'm talking about the world taste center with all the people that died in this location that worked in the location that maybe loved the location maybe the architecture uh, all this so 
it is a question of loss, but then loss destruction, and then you have the memory. This is what's left, yeah. and we have to remember. Yeah, the uh, it's the his identity, and so he said that he'll fight. Like he won. Like how long ago did you? So we're doing this interview. Interview almost like you said, third year anniversary. How long did you go? Did you interview him for that for that piece? Uh, this was like almost one year after. Okay, so two about two years ago. Yeah, exactly. So he was he he's still okay. Like yeah, because I you always worry like conspiracies or that that something like because he's saying some things some bold he's making some bold statements that I'm sure other people don't want him to say. I guess I'm assuming. Yeah, you you mean uh, yeah yeah. It's, this is what happens in documentaries is that you catch people at uh, at the time being and. Um, uh, what he, what I do usually, it's I don't just don't enter, interview talents like this, and I go away and never see them again. So I keep, you know, calling them on the phone. Now, uh, most of the talents, uh, now three out of five, won't talk anymore on camera, because you know, with time, people get a little bit uh, anxious and. Sure. They, they're not going to say the same. So you cannot capture these emotional and dramatic moments anymore. And Butros, uh, his plan was to leave the country uh, because for him, after the blast, that was it, you know? I mean, the country was like, if you want, over for him. So, but he hasn't left the country yet, but he's, he's preparing his documents and everything to leave the country. And, and still, like you said, nobody has been has been held responsible. Nobody, I'm sure, there's been rumblings or like thoughts about what, who, and what, and but but still, like the government or nobody has said anything of the fact of like of the why, I guess, or or who. Yeah. Anyway, we have a caretaking government right now, so it's like we don't have a president. Uh, the country is in a free fall. I mean. Uh, Nobody is in charge. And it's always like this in countries like that, um, very corrupt countries, is that they split the responsibilities. It's like there were several ministers taking care, uh, managing the report, so that at the end of the day, nobody's really responsible. And until yet, uh, the judge hasn't been able, I mean, there was a first judge and another one, and nobody has been able to charge anyone. So each time they would just like, nobody's indicted. Uh, nobody is harmed. Nobody's like, nobody's responsible. And it's it's really, uh, it's even more dramatic if you want, because this is like uh, no accountability. This is what really, I mean, the, the, the documentary is about is justice and accountability. Remember what is happening. And we need to bring at least, I don't know, two, three people, you know, to justice. But uh, it's just like that. People die. Half of the, well, the, the, the city has been rebuilt thanks to a lot of donations. But uh, we still, we know what happens. We know who is responsible, but it's impossible to bring them to justice. And this is what makes, you know, a lot of people anxious, angry. And a lot of people ha have left 
have immigrated because they know that nothing will happen in the, in this country. No, they justice. well, you said it's run, but there's no government, or it's like kind of run by militias. And uh, someone said in the interview, it's like a stateless. It's a it's a country without a state. There's nothing, but I guess somebody can take the take it into their own hands and 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 basically like make make sure that those people are held responsible through their own means. I guess right, they can harm those people who are responsible. I guess basically what I'm saying. Now I don't want to say it's a stateless country because. A lot of people would say, I mean, the ones who want to make us believe that it's a stateless country. It was someone said that in the documentary. Yeah, I, I, I know, I know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But I kept it also because uh, this is his thoughts, and it is partially true, if you yeah. want. But it's not stateless. We have a state. Uh, the militias. These are, you know, uh, the residues of the war of the civil war that ended in 1990, it was long ago, uh, these militiamen, they just don't want the states because uh, in order to, I don't know, to manufacture Captagon, to, to do all these, you know, uh, uh, dirty business, uh, when you are, you, you, you don't want the states. Yeah. You, know, you don't want a strong state because you can do your own business. So, uh, we are in, in this country that is like, it, it's a democracy, but in the same way we have a uh, um, very strong militiamen. And the militiamen, they integrate, if you want, uh, the, the democracy, if you want the government, and they pull out, you know, I mean, they play this game whenever it's necessary, they're in, in the government, whenever it's not, it's, it's it's a very I mean I would say when I was in Colombia in in November, uh, I had the feeling that I was I could have been in Beirut too. Beirut is like Latin America in the seventies eighties if you want. So there is a state, there is more or less a democracy, but you have like you know strongholds of militia ruling, if you want the country. Yeah. So it's, it's very difficult. Especially if you're pro democracy. Well, yeah, hundred percent. In which <laughs> most people are generally are, I guess, right? So, um, yeah, it's just an amazing uh, documentary, and it's so well. Well, even the interview subjects is so well filmed. It's of course it's a dark subject, so you have just their their faces and in the in you have the in the black in the background, and you're such a good interviewer. You just like the way you can kind of just bring this this emotion out of them i'm sure you're you have experience talking like and having these discussions like what do you just as an interviewer what do you like what are your preparations just to to get to get them to talk to you in such a profound way i'm just curious like because it's it's not easy of course what you see on camera is 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 amazing you just assume that they're just gonna sit down and and just bring out their emotions but i'm sure there's a skill involved in how you did that it's um, 30 years of experience, okay. <laughs> I would say, interviewing people. But it's also, uh, as I told you, it wasn't meant to be a documentary, but I really wanted to pick their brains. I really wanted to know what their thoughts were one year on. Mm -hmm. And especially, this is my, you know, I mean, I wanted to, to archive 
the thoughts of people who are strongly advocating for justice. And so, of course, it's always the questions that uh, that uh, will trigger uh, the right, I would say, the right answers. But uh, for each one of them also, I had specific questions because I wanted the four of them to tell the bigger story. So I couldn't like ask them the same question. But at first, what I wanted to do is just to ask one question. Mm-hmm. Who are you angry at? Because it's all about anger. This is what it's about. Yeah. But uh, but then, you know, you, I, this is how, I mean, I, uh, <laughs> my first question was like, who you're angry at and then you know the story unfolds yeah well anger i guess anger sadness kind of the same kind of emotion yeah. in a lot of ways and so when do you say you, you said it wasn't supposed to be a documentary when did you decide to like okay this is this could just should be a short documentary film um it's a friend of mine actually she's a film director katya jarjura and uh we were she was here in, in Beirut in September, I think. And she told me uh, last September, and she told me, I mean, you, you're filming the port like every uh, other weekend. You have these talents that you interviewed and you're flying your drone every now and then. You have like 150 shots of drone. What are you going to do with all that, with all this vision? Yeah. I learn nothing. I mean, I'm archiving all that, but she said, you should maybe, you know, put the story together. And um, so she started like uh, watching uh, the interviews and she told me this is history now because it is very important what they have to say and especially that they're not going to talk anymore. And for justice and for accountability, try to figure out if you can, you know, uh, you know, put together a story, but I couldn't, you know, figure out how to do it. And she helped me, you know, to go through this uh, storyline. Yeah. To, to put all this together and yeah, became, uh, the documentary that, uh, that we, we put together because I think it was important and especially something I didn't want to add onto the documentary was the audio. I just wanted to have the sound of the city, the sound of the port, no music, something yeah. quite raw, quite organic also. So so this is how we came up with everything. But I have like hours and hours of vision, I mean, um, uh, of the port, of, of everything. So yeah, it made sense to have all this together. But uh, I'm happy that we, we, we managed, you know, uh, having like a, a substantial and something you know quite interesting as a as a storyline for the memory so that we don't forget well i have to say that you're uh that you're from beirut you're this is this is yeah. very personal for you as well this is uh sure. this is where you were born this is your your family's there this is like this is not just a, i know you're a photojournalist but usually you have that kind of like journalistic perspective of what you're shoot what you're what you're shooting and what you're seeing and what you're observing but you can't help but be be per this can't help but be personal for you but be more a little bit more than 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 uh from journalistic for you like this is this is your home this is your family this is your life and this is my life and the if you want the apartment my apartment was also 
completely shattered. And so it was quite, if you want, difficult to work. Um, you lost all, like, I'm sure you've lost work and you lost possessions. Um, it was all smashed, but this is, I didn't have time to, if you want, at first to realize, I mean, where I'm sitting here, it was completely destroyed my house where I'm sitting because I'm one kilometer away from the port. So I'm really, you know, <laughs> in the middle, I live in Atrafigi. So it's where it all happened. And it was even more, if you want, uh, complicated because I was myself, you know, a victim. So I know exactly what it feels to, to live this. I heard it and it is also my city. Uh, I love the city. It's quite an inspiring city. It's, you know, it, it is, uh, Beirut is incredible, even though, I mean, I know from the outside world, it looked like, uh, you know, uh, uh, a city that is totally uh, destroyed but no it is quite a creative city it's buzzing it's full of energy but the energy of the people so I really love it and the if, for me what was difficult it was that uh, I was leaving my house in the morning but the house had no windows anymore so I live on the first floor uh, so uh, there were lots of looting back then but had to leave the house to go to work coming back you don't know if someone is going to jump you know uh, <laughs> from yeah. the window because there is no window any there was no window so at that time i didn't have time to take care of this and also um, um i lost a couple of friends and many were injured and um so it was I mean, when I remember that time, it, it was very, very tough. And I guess this is also quite universal if you want. Uh, you, you also relate uh, to like what's happening now in Ukraine, what happened like yeah. in, also a lot in Latin America, what is happening in some parts of Africa too, because it is, I mean, um, living these times are, are, are quite tough, I think. And it, for me, it's it's a very personal, of course, uh, documentary uh, because I'm from here. I lived all the, if you want, all the troubles or the turmoil of the of the city of the country. So yeah, it's really a story from within, if you want. So this is this. It's thirty minutes. The film's thirty minutes. It can easily be, like you said, you have the footage. There's a there's a bigger story here. You kind of just just you just kind of touched on. How the people like thematically, it's the it's about the people who are affected by what happened. But then obviously there's a there's a larger um investigative story here. Did mm -hmm. you do you have thoughts on turning this into a big a larger film, a feature, or are you kind of moving on from the project? Um no, I'm preparing actually an exhibition. Um because uh on the port blast if you want or on the on the situation let's say uh, in general here in this country in october and it's gonna be like multimedia um so i have an audio installation uh, photographies and a lot of things happening but i, I don't feel that i have the uh, the energy to uh, if you want to put together 
a bigger story now on uh, a feature or something on this uh, particular subject. Not now, not yeah. yet. Not I yet. think it's like, it's a lot of energy, and uh, I'm drained. Uh, yeah, so you must be. Yeah, so uh, I don't think. I mean, this is what it is. It's yeah. thirty minutes, and I, I think it's. I I wanted to squeeze in this short uh, documentary a lot of my thoughts too, uh, through these talents, and uh, because through their words, of course, I I relate a lot, and I think for me now it is what I wanted to say. Gotcha. Because you, you, yeah, because it's like I said, like there's obviously something big, bigger here. But I guess time will will kind of well, there time will give more clarity and perspective of what happened. And of course, if not, still nothing's done after like say ten years, then maybe you, you can yeah. revise. So I really appreciate your conversation. This is obviously not uh, not an easy film, but it's a very uh, um, not an easy subject, but it's an important film. I'm just curious, what did you think about? We send you the audience, the North American perspective of your film. What did you think about what they had to say in the audience feedback video that we sent you? Uh, to be honest, I was really, I mean, uh, touched. And uh, I really appreciate the fact that uh, like 20,000 kilometers away, uh, people really felt um, what happened to us here. And um, uh, there was, I mean, it, it was quite emotional also to hear. Um, there were quite, I mean, and I thought it was first, I really appreciated the fact that you interviewed these people because it's important also to understand uh, you, you know, as an artist, as a filmmaker, we do films. But it's very important to see how this documentary or, or a film or one's film uh, impact on someone's life and how they get, you know, the, the message that you're conveying. And I thought, you know, this, the, 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 what, what the audience uh, said in this short, uh, you know, in these short interviews, uh, it is universal. And we all, I mean, I think they really uh, felt deeply what we you know what we've been through and there was a lot of empathy and for me it was you know i mean i i really it was very human and i really loved the fact that you you put all these efforts into you know interviewing the audience to know how they felt of it and um yeah, it, it was quite emotional for me. It is very important also to know the impact of uh, of people who don't have our culture, who are far away from what happened. And also um, some were saying that they weren't aware about, you know, the the, the large scale of, yeah. of, of last and maybe some weren't even, uh, didn't even know that it uh, it even happened. So I kind of alluded that in the beginning of the podcast, how like in the Western world we like we don't. I think it was obviously it was documented, it was reported, but it wasn't reported like like you know like CNN yeah. was was paying attention to what Trump had to say. They weren't, you know what I mean? Like they it wasn't it should it wasn't like a doc it wasn't documented like it should be. That's basically what I, I was trying to to uh, to say. Yeah. Mm -hmm. 
true and and it's also you know it's like what happened uh, you were you're talking about 9/11 it also impacted on us yeah. i mean i was like, yeah, devastated forever yeah uh, so and you can you know you can relate in these tragedies yeah. and these are also i mean man made tragedies exactly that means that that we could have avoided them 100%. you know we could have like i don't know how we could have stopped this tragedies but i think this is you know when you were talking about this i can relate to this uh, to this tragedy too yeah well, thank you for your time. I really appreciate it. It's an amazing documentary film in so many ways. I appreciate you even talking about like the making of it too, because it's very, it's a very, very well done film. Of course, important subject, but the execution is amazing. So, thank you very much. I hope the film gets everywhere it needs it needs it to be, and let's hopefully we'll talk again. Uh, maybe maybe happier film <laughs> when you make thank the keep so making films. I just wanted to say that. Uh, also, it couldn't have been possible also without the help of, of course, Katja Derjura and the sound engineer, Aysam uh, Atme, yeah. and also uh, my art gallery, uh, Art Design Lebanon, that helped me a lot. I mean, that supported me because, you know, a film is not a one-man show and one-woman show. So uh, I just wanted to say that it's uh, it's also a teamwork. So... This is what I want to say. 100%. And thank you so much for having me too. Thank you. Thank you. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, Schlemiel, Schlemazel, Hassenbemp Incorporated.